Let's open our Bibles this morning to Ezra chapter 9, verses 5 through 9. Ezra chapter 9, verses 5 through 9. And at the evening sacrifice, I rose from my fasting with my garment and my cloak torn, and I fell upon my knees and spread out my hands to the Lord my God, saying, O my God, I am ashamed and blush to lift my face to you, my God. For our iniquities have risen higher than our heads, and our guilt has mounted up to the heavens. From the days of our fathers to this day, we have been in great guilt. And for our iniquities, we, our kings, and our priests have been given into the hand of the kings of the lands, to the sword, to captivity, to plundering, and to utter shame as it is today. But now for a brief moment, favor has been shown by the Lord our God to leave us a remnant and to give us a secure hold within this holy place that our God may brighten our eyes and grant us a little reviving in our slavery. For we are slaves. Yet our God has not forsaken us in our slavery but has extended to us His steadfast love before the kings of Persia to grant us some reviving, to set up the house of our God, to repair its ruins, and to give us protection in Judea and Jerusalem. Let's pray. Our Father, we pray that as we hear Your Word proclaimed. As we hear Your Scripture read, as we lift the prayers of our heart to You, that there would be no measure of us. That God, our worship would be entirely about You. We come to hear a word from You. We come to hear a word of You. We come to commune with Your Spirit in worship, to return to You praises, to return to You prayers that Your Spirit has placed inside us. And Lord, let us offer this worship with a pure heart and a clean conscience. Where there is sin, let us bow our hearts before You. Confess that sin. And seek the repentance, the forgiveness that You give through Jesus Christ, the only begotten of the Father. We ask these things in His name and for His sake. Amen. We continue this week to look at this portion of Ezra's prayer of confession, picking it up in the middle of verse 7, where he says, And for our iniquities, we, our kings and our priests, have been given into the hand of the kings of the lands, to the sword, to captivity, to plundering, and to utter shame, as it is today. We saw last week, he's not just confessing the sins of the men and the officials before him, He is considering 
And we saw it last week. He is confessing the sins that their fathers and their grandfathers had committed. It, these are the sins that had brought them into exile, that had brought them out of the land of Israel, that had caused God to judge His people so severely that the temple itself was thrown down to the foundations. Before we get into the particulars of verse 7 and verse 8 this morning, I invite you to consider the message of this prayer and its place in Scripture. Because as far as I know, the prayer here and the corresponding one in the second half of this book called Nehemiah are the only times that public confession is made by the faithful of Israel for their sin of idolatry. It is the only time that they have looked to the heavens and said, God, forgive us, not only for what we have done, but for what our fathers have done before us, what they taught us to do. They confess that they have abandoned God. There is one other instance of a post-exile prayer confessing this very sin of Israel. But this one was decidedly private and was made 80 years before Ezra made this prayer. We see it in Daniel chapter 9, verses 1 through 19. A prayer that he made in the year 539 B.C. Four years before Cyrus took the throne in Babylon. As, we, as I read it this morning... I invite you to listen to the parallels between Daniel's prayer and the prayer of Ezra in our passage today. It says, In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, by descent a Mede, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the book's the number of years that according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet must pass before the end of the desolation of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. In other words, he had been reading the scriptures. He had been reading the book of Jeremiah and he saw that it had been 70 years from the point that the first people had been carried off into Babylon. He says, Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking Him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession, saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love Him and keep His commandments, we have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled turning aside from your commandments and rules. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and to our fathers, and to all the people of the land. To you, O Lord, belongs righteousness, but to us, open shame, as it is this day. To the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and to all Israel, those who are near and those who are far away, in all the lands to which you have driven them, because of the treachery that they have committed against you. To us, O Lord, belongs open shame. To our kings, to our princes, and to our fathers, because we have sinned 
against you. To the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness, for we have rebelled against Him and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God by walking in His laws, which He set before us by His servants, the prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, refusing to obey your voice. And the curse and the oath that are written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out upon us because we have sinned against Him. He has confirmed His words which He spoke against us and against our rulers who ruled us by bringing upon us a great calamity. For under the whole heaven there has not been done anything like what has been done against Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this calamity has come upon us, yet we have not entreated the favor of the Lord our God, turning from our iniquities and gaining insight by your truth. Therefore the Lord has kept ready the calamity and has brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all the works He has done, and we have not obeyed His voice. And now, O Lord our God, who brought Your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand, and have made a name for Yourself as, this, as at this day we have sinned, we have done wickedly. O Lord, according to all your righteous acts, let your anger and your wrath turn away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy hill, because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and all your people have become a byword among all who are around us. Now therefore, O our God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his pleas for mercy. And for your own sake, O Lord, make your face to shine upon your sanctuary, which is desolate. O my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations and the city that is called by your name. For we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not for your own sake, O my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. It's truly a shame that so many people think of Daniel primarily and largely incorrectly as a book that deals mostly with the last things. This prayer, which hits so many of the same themes as Ezra's, was delivered a very few years before the decree of Cyrus, allowing the first group of Jews to return to Jerusalem. But I'd point out that what we see in private in Daniel, we see carried out in public by Ezra in these two volumes of his book. And both men are praying for exactly the same thing. They pray for God's glory and they pray for forgiveness for their great iniquity. Nothing in either prayer proclaims that they deserve that mercy. They are under no illusion. They deserve no mercy. Daniel makes that point entirely clear when he prays in verse 18, We do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. 
I don't think it does any violence to either prayer to compare them to prayers for revival because that is exactly what they are praying for. Give us a little reviving. Give us a little renewal. Daniel's prayer was a prayer that was made decades before the people truly repented. Ezra's prayer was made on its very eve. Now I know old timers, in quotes, old timers talk about revivals. They might even talk about awakenings. But the prayers of these men of God have all the hallmarks of prayers for God's mercy in revival. Because while these awakenings and revivals do see people converted from death into life in Jesus Christ, the greater and more lasting evidence of the Holy Spirit and His effect is the change in those who are among God's people, who live in communion with the world prior to that time. But then we see during those times of reviving, during those times of repentance, during those times when they are brought face to face with the wrath of God, with the mercy of God, it is their repentance and following wholeheartedly after Jesus Christ that is the truest sign of the Spirit's work. That is a prayer worthy of a saint. We are taught to pray in the Lord's model prayer, Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth. And that's not simply a statement indicating that we eventually desire Jesus' reign upon the earth or that we're looking forward simply to Jesus' return in His appearing. It is the prayer that the kingdom of God would expand to those around us right here, right now, and that God's name would be praised among the nations, that His church would grow deeper and wider, and that He would be glorified in His people. When we pray, Your kingdom come, Your will be done, we are praying that it happens in us. We're praying that it happens in His church. We're praying that it happens in this city. But we might ask, how is God glorified when He judges His people? Because the people of Israel had been truly judged. And I would say that the Scripture bears witness over and over again that as a judge, He is glorified because He sovereignly directs all who fail to meet His righteous standard will meet His wrath. That's what Ezra is saying at this end of verse 7. And for our iniquities, we, our kings and our priests, have been given into the hand of the kings of the lands, to the sword, to captivity, to plundering, and to utter shame, as it is today. This isn't a description of something that simply came upon Israel. This isn't a description of something that just happened to them historically. It is a description of God's judgment on His people. It is the judgment that He promised them if they began to go after the idols of the people of the lands. 
Please allow me to be as clear as I can right here. God owes you nothing. He has promised you nothing but judgment if you are not in Jesus Christ. If you are living without Jesus Christ, you may think that you are getting away with your sin. Perhaps you have been encouraged that God hasn't struck you down yet for your sin. So maybe He's okay with it. Maybe you soothe your concerns about facing holy God in judgment by telling yourself you don't really believe that anyway. Or by convincing yourself with some hellish philosophy that God is too loving to send people to hell. Or you're planning to point on that day to other people who are worse than you. Or maybe you're simply gambling on a phony game on the day of judgment where you think your good works will be weighed against your bad ones. Every one of those philosophies is a lie. A lie from the enemy, the devil, to keep you from coming in repentance to God, to keep you from understanding the wrath of God, to keep you from understanding that He will judge you in righteousness. And that was the state of the people in Jerusalem as Ezra began this prayer. They thought they had gotten away with their idolatry. They thought that God was tolerating their sin. But Ezra realized and brought directly to them that they were standing in front of an angry God. Why would the God who punished the sin of their fathers tolerate that same sin in their sons? They thought they were toying with God they didn't realize that God would crush them utterly. Whether you are living consciously outside of Jesus Christ or you have borne the name of Christ, but to continue to live in unrepentant sin, the message is the same. We see it in in verse 8, but now for a brief moment, favor has been shown by the Lord our God. You are truly living on borrowed time. I don't care how healthy you are. I don't care how wealthy you are. I don't care how comfortable you are. You are living on borrowed time. Deuteronomy 32.35 says, Vengeance is mine and retribution. In due time their foot will slip. For the day of their calamity is near. And the impending things are hastening upon them. God will not tolerate sin. And the only thing that restrains Him now from executing judgment on those who do not believe is His own sovereign timing. As the great preacher Jonathan Edwards put it, there is nothing that keeps wicked men at any one moment out of hell, but the mere pleasure of God. And this favor, at last, as we see in Ezra's words, for a brief moment, and that word moment 
is literally the word wink. Blink. That word, when it's used as an adverb, is generally translated suddenly, instantaneously. But he isn't just saying, but now just for a wink, favor has been shown. He adds a modifier, brief. So I suppose you could gather his meaning this way. But now, just for the fraction of a wink, favor has been shown by the Lord our God. The scripture does talk much about the long suffering of God. He is slow to anger and he is patient. That is true, but make no mistake that patient has one purpose. Romans 2.4 tells us, Do you think lightly of the riches of His kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? Our time in this life is not unlimited. James 4.14 says, You do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You're just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. You have no reason to believe that your life on earth will last another hour, another day, another week, or another year. And regardless of what some philosophies, some false churches would tell you, there will be no opportunity for repentance once this life is over. This is your brief moment. Hebrews 9.27 tells us of the finality of death. He says it is appointed for man to die once and after that comes the judgment. There is no temporary hell. There is no purgatory. Once your heart stops beating and your brain lacks oxygen for a dozen or so minutes, you will be in the presence of a holy God. And if you are not in Jesus Christ, you will stand before the infinite burning wrath of God in judgment. And then there is only the eternal infinite reality of God's burning wrath forever. No parole. No reprieve. No vacation. No appeal. No hope. No salvation. No joy. No happiness. No satisfaction. Or any break from the misery. Not even a drop of water. If you know the sinfulness of your life, take hold of the only chance that God has given you to escape His wrath. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 John 4 verses 9 and 10 says this, By this the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world, so that we might live through Him. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. 
Now you may recall that the word propitiation is not a word that we use often. But there really is no other word that has the same meaning. The word literally means the satisfaction of God's wrath. He sent His Son to be the satisfaction of God's wrath for our sins. There is no other propitiation. There is no other satisfaction for God's wrath. Because remember, the only satisfaction He has is in perfect righteousness. And apart from Jesus Christ, no one has it. That is what makes the gospel good news. God has done what we cannot. Believers, if you are following Jesus Christ, keep that knowledge of hell in front of your mind as well. That knowledge of God's wrath should drive us to preach the gospel, to preach His good news with renewed vigor. And yes, I said preach. Each follower of Jesus Christ, a preacher, a proclaimer of the good news of Jesus Christ, because the grace of God grows shorter every day as the return of Jesus Christ grows nearer every day. People's lives grow closer to the end every day and then they will stand before God in judgment. And they and we will do so either unprotected from His wrath or clothed in Jesus Christ and trusting only in His righteousness. It's not just preachers who can preach. The proclamation of the gospel is for all who follow Jesus Christ. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth. Assumes the good news of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Our Father, teach us to number our days. To not put off to tomorrow because we know that today is the day of repentance. Today is the day we have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Today is the day when you call us to repent from our evil ways. Today is the day you beg us not to harden our hearts. Not to live in rebellion to the gift that you have given us. And it is a gift. You didn't look down on us and see anything worthy. You didn't look down on us and see that we would eventually choose you. You looked down upon us. And in your mercy, called us to yourself. And God, we stand in awe of that mercy, of that grace. 
if there are those who have heard and have not bowed their knees to you. I pray that your spirit would make them alive, would bend their knee, would break their heart that they have broken your law. And not to the point of despair where they think that if they keep your law perfectly from now on, that they would be saved. But to cast themselves completely on the mercy that you have given us through Jesus Christ, your only begotten Son. And trust Him alone to be the righteousness that you will accept on that great day when we stand before you. We ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord and for His sake. Amen.